Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome everybody to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. My name is Martin Lestraps, and this is episode number 135. I've got a great guest. This week, a guest that I'm very excited about, a guest that in a way, in many ways, I've known for several years, and yet, technically, we've never actually talked before. I say technically for a couple of reasons. One, we've, we've, we've exchanged emails and Twitters and Facebooks and whatnot. And two, uh, if I'm going to be frank with you guys, I, I'm actually talking to her right now, but you're not supposed to know that, so I didn't tell you that part. Um, here's what I can tell you about Maya so far, even though technically I haven't talked to her yet. She is goddamn delightful. And uh, it is my suspicion that this is going to be a very enjoyable conversation. So I'm very excited for you guys. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Maya Cresson. Uh, so Maya, she is an author. And uh, the way that Maya and I know each other is she is she signed with Exciting Press, which is uh, the press of... Uh, founded and run by by our mutual friend, Will Entrican. Uh, Will, you guys heard on the podcast just a few weeks ago uh, in, a, in an epic two-part episode, uh, episodes uh, 130, 132 and 133, if I'm doing my math correctly. And, uh, and, so, and so Will, uh, in, you know, I guess in, in, a, in a sort of roundabout way, uh, introduced me to, to Maya. But in a way, I guess also like there's some there's something about the the writing community where I don't know I, I kind of sort of feel like we all find each other whether whether or not somebody introduces us or not. Uh, and as far as that goes, I, I I swear I feel like I've known Maya for years, which I have. Uh, and, but I swear this I, I swear that I've talked to her before. But uh, but you know this will be this, this will be our first time. So as far as as, uh, as Maya's work goes, um, uh, most prominently she published a, a trilogy uh, with Exciting Press. It is the Asylum Saga. Book one is called Once Was, which was published in July of 2012. Book two came out in December of that same year. It is called Maybe. And then the, uh, the, the finale of the Asylum Saga, which is called Will Be, came out in September of 2013. So she, she, she made her fans wait just a little bit longer. But, you know, I'm sure they, I'm sure they were happy, happy <laughs> for it. Maya is also uh, an award-winning writer, which is actually how... Uh, Will came to discover her if I've got my if I've got my facts right, and if not, I'll let Maya correct me. Uh, <laughs> but in 2010, she won the Writers Coffee Shop Original Fiction Contest for Best Supernatural Story, which again, uh, for those of you who uh, are the loyalist of listeners, and you already heard my chat with Will Entrican, he <laughs> actually mentioned that in part two of our conversation. But I wouldn't blame you guys if you didn't actually. Remember that very specific detail. He also mentioned that, uh, that, that the Writer's Coffee Shop Publishing House, they were also the ones who discovered Fifty Shades of Grey. So I'll look forward to seeing what, what Maya has to say about that. If she has anything to say, I don't know. I don't goddamn know. I've never talked to her before, technically. Uh, let's see what else here. Um, oh, you know what? So so here's something that, I, that I'm very curious to talk to Maya about. She earned a degree in Theosophical Studies. And uh, I have I, I have not a, a clue 
what that is. In fact, I don't even know if I pronounced it right. So, so that'll probably be something that I'll have to ask Maya about. <laughs> um, but also, it's it sounds cool. It sounds cool, and I, and I look forward to seeing you know what uh, what what sort of ho- homework came with studying theosophical <laughs> theosophical studies. Um, anyway. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's okay. So you know what? Let's let, let's stop being silly. My so my is here. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, I, I we're gonna I'm gonna okay. So we're gonna we're gonna pretend that Maya is not actually listening right now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the. In fact, I'm gonna play the, the the very sort of delightful transition music, and then when it's over, you're gonna hear Maya's voice, and then we'll technically start talking for the very first time so oh you know what first you know fuck it let me do this first uh <laughs> i know i know i said i was gonna i said i was about to do that but you know what uh i i realized that i i want i want to make sure that before i talk to maya i want to make sure that you guys listening are properly primed uh for this interview so if you don't already own uh, Maya, Maya's work, specifically the Asylum Saga, all three books, they're all available on Amazon.com. And so I'd recommend you all go to Amazon.com and buy all three of, of, of Maya's books in the Asylum Saga. And of course, she has more books than that. Buy all of them if you're, if, if you're balling. But if you're on a budget, then, um, then, you know, my suspicion is that she would lead you towards the Asylum Saga, but I could be, I could be wrong. We're going to find that out as well. Uh, but before you go to Amazon, first go to the official website of this podcast, which you'll find at martinlestrapsshow.com. Once you get there, click on the shop page. And when you get to the shop page, you're going to see an Amazon banner at the top of the page. Click that banner. And when you get there, do all the same shopping you were otherwise going to do, including buying all three copies of, of Maya's trilogy. And of course, buy, buy anything. If her name's attached to it, buy it. Even if there's a duplicate Maya Crescent who's got a book, but it's not the same one, fuck it. Just buy it. Who knows? She'll appreciate it. Or he. I don't want to assume that all Mayas are girls. But I think you guys get my point. Here's the, here's the bigger point, though. Because you went through the website, Amazon in turn will kick back a few pennies our way. And then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them into the show. And it allows us to make the Martinless Trap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you. Which is what we strive to do week after week after week okay there did it now now you're gonna hear the the the, the john t transition music and when it, when it when it's done you're gonna hear the voice of the delightful maya crescent so if that all sounds good to you then let's move on with the show I'm from Sterling, Illinois, which is the hometown of Terry Brooks, um, fantasy author. Um, I kind of blame that for my love of fantasy. I grew up reading his stuff. Um, but when other kids were reading golden books and other little things, I had my grandmother from uh, Mountain the San Joaquin Valley in California sending me Shakespeare and Harlequin novels because that was what <laughs> she had. And here I am at five years old having all of that. And my parents were non-readers for the most part. And my mom's mom, who lived in um, the next town, she would only read gossip magazines and like Danielle Steele. So here I'm I'm not getting these traditional kids books, (laughs) but I'm reading 
anything can get my hands on. So I grew up with like Shakespeare and Poe and Dickens and then smut. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was quite the upbringing of, of the, I, I, if I got my hands on it, my parents let me read it. They really didn't care what it was as long as I was reading. That is so and perfect. even though, yeah, they were very much non-readers, yeah, but they supported me of the, if I wanted to read it, um, it was there for me to grab, and um, if I had questions, I could come ask. And but it was kind of I was left to my own devices with books for both the good and the bad side of that. <laughs> Probably some material kids shouldn't have had at that point, but eh, I don't think it, I don't think it broke me too badly. At least it broke me in good ways. That's great. What sort of uh, uh, yeah, questions I, did you have for your parents, if you can remember, particularly with the um, uh, with the smut? Um. Not really too much because if I if I didn't understand something, I would normally just go look it up in the dictionary or like skim through it. And I would read medical journals and like the medical <laughs> dictionaries, things like that. So I kind of understood from an early age of what everything was like beyond just the whole, oh, well, we'll talk about the birds and the bees. And oh, that's no, too I had all. <laughs> yeah, so I had all of that. And so I guess I was kind of spoiled later for later on when I started like reading other stuff online and fan fiction of the, no, I don't need this fade to black stuff. Give me, the, give me that thing or don't, <laughs> don't waste my time. Um, but yeah, um, after I'd run out of books, I kind of started writing my own little stories. And I actually found a few days ago cleaning out um, one of our bookcases stories I had written during junior high about these skydiving gerbils because I was bored to death in, my, in whatever science class I had. And we had gerbils in the classroom as like class pets. And so in the margins of my notebook for class, I was writing all of these elaborate stories about the gerbils that would escape their um, enclosure and like were saving kids from certain doom throughout the school. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually going to type those up and put them up on my blog at some point because they're hilarious. Good, yeah, as, as as well you should. About how old were you? Because okay, so because here's something that I'm always curious about. So so on the one yeah. hand, you started reading very young, uh, yeah. which I greatly admire, um, because I, I I I wasn't a reader. I I, I you know if I only wish uh, watching TV had the same sort of you know that that had the same esteem because otherwise I would be like a fucking genius. Because uh-huh. um, I watched a lot of TV, but I didn't do much reading. So I'm I'm, I'm always uh, admire people who read at a very young age. But I'm also mm-hmm. curious about uh, when, uh, especially as a kid, like when when you when did you make the connection between uh, the, you know one that you liked reading, but then two you kind of worked out that these stories didn't fall out of thin air that there was somebody who mm-hmm. who wrote them and that was a thing you could do. Um, well, I started writing um, in seventh grade, so I was probably about 11 or 12, and then it kind of went to the back burner for a while because I was too busy maintaining straight A's and doing that whole perfect student thing, mm-hmm. and and then when so I, I know, <laughs> intrinsically no. motivated and all that shit, and I was like the perfect child to my parents. My mom was like, I don't know what we would have done if you weren't you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was the kid who would come home and do like five hours of homework and they never had to nag me about it. Um, But yeah, in high school, I had this amazing teacher, teacher, Donna Spencer, and we were reading um, My Antonia and The Good Earth for Classroom 
projects and homework, and we had to do these critical essays on them. And I, each of them was like two or three pages long, and I turned those in, and she was like, "You're good. You're really good. You you have a gift. You need to do something with this." And she started giving me materials on writing both for fiction and nonfiction. And it kind of started as an assignment and then it really grew into, well, I'm going to work ahead in these because I wanted to see what I could do and then go off to college. I come up here to Wisconsin because I fell in love with Lake Michigan at Carthage and really didn't do too much there until my um, senior year. I took my one English class there that was mandatory to graduate and I wrote this short story for a homework assignment and it was this awful cheesy fluffy story about a family who leaves their cat behind <laughs> and it's all from the cat's point of view while the family's off on vacation and, and I still have it and it's written up with the please never read this in public again type thing <laughs> <laughs> and I um, the first day of the class presentations of the story all of the kids in the class were going up and presenting their stories. And I was trying not to roll my eyes because these are my classmates. I should be supportive and all of that bullshit. But there was this theme kind of going on with most of the men in the group. And it involved their female conquests and everything else and treating women like um, property. And that just didn't sit well with me. And so the next day, about an hour before class, I was sitting in the library checking my email and I looked out over Lake Michigan and the mist was um, still rising from it. And I just kind of had this like divine download of a story idea. And I ended up writing um, a little over a thousand words in under 25 minutes wow. and managed yeah and i still actually have the original draft of this with my scribbled out notes as i'm i printed out in the library and i'm sprinting to class and i'm crossing out all my typos as i go <laughs> and it was the original draft of asylum oh wow yeah um and it was just amazing and I, so I get to class and i was the second or third person to read my story in front and all of the boys in the class were like crossing their legs and staring at me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of the, the guys from the class, I still see occasionally and he'll still just give me this wide berth. He wants nothing to do with me. He was like, that is the most fucking disturbing story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and, and I kind of did this little giddy clap and jump and giggle thing, which I think just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, you and Will kind of touched on it at, during your talk with him about just the, the like the writing trance of you sit down at the keyboard or with paper and pen and a couple of hours later you have this scene and you have no idea where it came from. Mm -hmm. And that was the entire story of I sat down at the keyboard and the next thing I know I'm holding this story. And it was like, okay, well, now what? <laughs> and and um, my husband and I are both gamers. We play we play Dungeons and Dragons. Now we do Pathfinder. And um, about 13 years ago, we started gaming with um, sci-fi and fantasy author Jean Raby. She does a lot of the Dragonlance books, and now she's doing more murder mystery. Okay. And she was running a local writers group, and she invited me to her home to take part in this. And um, she actually read the initial draft of Asylum, which was just called Island or What Once Was. 
And she just read it and she was like, this is good as is. You need to go do stuff with this. And so I kind of put it around for a couple of short story contests and there, there was nothing biting on it. But she was like, no, I, I believe in the story. This is this is it. And then I ended up posting it on MySpace to a writer's group. And that's where I met Will. And um, for that and for poetry, and he kind of was like my champion white knight against the critics. And <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that was the start of our friendship, um, like 11, 12 years ago. And it was before I had kids. And then um, I started kind of playing with Asylum, but I was more just trying to keep up with kids and being a mom and then I started reading, uh, uh, kind of hate to admit it, the Twilight books when my <laughs> twins were, were six months old and not sleeping at all through the night. And it's like I needed something to entertain myself while I was taking care of them at three in the morning. And I read all four books in a, like over a night and a half. And I was like, oh, they did the whole fade to black thing. Well, that can't be all there is really. And then I remembered about fan fiction because I read some Ranma fan fiction back in the anime day watching days. And um, I found that there were the scenes that weren't so fade to black. And a month later, I started writing it. And that was kind of it. That was my segue back into writing fiction. And ended up with like over 80 fan fiction stories out there at one point. And that's awesome. Sure. That's really <laughs> awesome. So there, there's actually there, yeah. there's a few things that that I want to touch on because that yeah. you you had so many great things to say just now. I was trying to keep tabs on all the things that I wanted to talk yeah. about, but I didn't want to interrupt you because I was enjoying every single bit of that. Um, so let me see where can I start. Well, one thing. Okay, so the first thing that, that I'm sort of thinking about right now yeah. is how cool it was that uh, that both you and Will had the idea of going online and sort of seeking out um, other writers or other writing mm-hmm. communities, which. Um, I wish I would have it would have occurred to me to do that, but I, it didn't even occur to me to to use social media in that way, or yeah. even the the internet uh, in that way. So, because when I was when I was trying to learn how to uh, how to write, which was r- roughly around the same time, I would say um, yeah. I don't know early early two thousands is when I was like really truly taking it seriously. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll say I'll say like in ninety six ninety seven is when I had that epiphany that you know writing was a thing and i want to be a writer yeah. but i didn't know what that meant i just i just knew that this is a thing that i wanted to try and i was terrible at it yeah. as most writers are if they're being honest right so it wasn't until i was in a, i transferred to a cal state san Bernardino, which was a the university that i went to and i was an english mm-hmm. major that I took my first, uh, ultimately what was a creative writing workshop. And even then I didn't know mm-hmm. what, a, what a writing workshop was, but I got in there and I realized how val- valuable it was to be with, uh, in, in that case, I think there's maybe 10 or 11 writers in the class. And our professor was, uh, at that, my first class, well, the second class I took, my professor was James Brown. Uh, the first class was a terrible experience with a professor who unwittingly, cool caused me to, to quit writing because um, whether he or she knows it or not, uh, he or she sort of, I, at this years later, I give them the benefit of the doubt. But the reality yeah. is I left their class feeling like I'm fucking terrible at this. I don't know why I ever got it in my head that I could do this. This is so embarrassing. I'm glad I didn't actually pursue this any longer than I already did. Let me go figure out what else to do with my life. 
And then um, I think a few months later, it was still kind of in my bones and I didn't know what to do with it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take one more class. And um, if this if this professor, you know, basically, if 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 they if they tell me that I'm no good at this, then then we'll know it's official. No hard feelings. I'll move on with my life. And um, yeah. it ended up being the exact opposite. And he was amazing. And he was <laughs> encouraging. And he loved what I was doing. And he uh, and you know, I was I, by by no stretch of the imagination was I particularly uh, a particularly good writer. But thankfully, he saw he saw me doing something that was worth, um, worth, you know, developing. And, and so anyway, part of what I learned in that in in his class was the value of, of a writing workshop, which you can get in a writer's group or Mm -hmm. sometimes online if you're, you know, wily enough to actually look for it. But I didn't, I didn't know. And, um, and so, um, so yeah, so, so then, you know, at, at this point, you know, like I'm thinking about the timeline, timeline of me sort of fumbling around and trying to figure it out. And I only wish it occurred to me to actually use, you know, use the internet to say, you know what, I wonder if there's somebody yeah. else out there trying to do this and maybe we can sort of create a, a community. So mm-hmm. I envy you and will that, uh, <laughs> that discovery. Um, and I know you said other things that I wanted to, Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know, but you, well, here's something. Um, Shakespeare, you were reading yeah. Shakespeare as a kid. I literally this morning I was thinking about uh, how I still get self-conscious when I read Shakespeare because I, I I I can't I can hardly decipher it, and I feel like at this point mm-hmm. in my life I should, but uh, but I've always kind of struggled with it. So um, so since you mm-hmm. since you're already besting me in all these other areas, tell me a little bit about <laughs> what it was like being able to read Shakespeare as a kid, and then uh, then maybe touch on the social media thing. <laughs> And anything else you sure. want to talk about? Because I, I'm endlessly fascinated with you so far. Yeah. <laughs> well, for Shakespeare, I think having had access to it when I was like four and five years old to Good start, it Go was ahead. very Keep much going. like picking up another language. And I was always told that kids um, pick up other foreign languages so much better than, than adults do. So I think in some ways that really influenced oh. um, my ability to pick up the books that because I was... Yeah, I was picking, I was learning a new language more than trying to um, translate it into our own. And um, I don't know, I, I was always more comfortable with books and adults than I was with other kids. The other kids to me were a waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm being honest. I, I know. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> and so. Um, I had my cousins to play with who actually live next door. And um, when I realized that they weren't reading Shakespeare and they were, they had these books by Dr. Seuss, which I was just kind of looking at of, well, why would I want to read that when I can read about fairies and people doing all these amazing things. And they're just looking at me like I'd grown a second head, which maybe I did. And yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I grew up reading all of these just amazing stories, and I think it gave me a taste for literature early on that a lot of people have to learn to like as adults or even as um, like adolescents. Mm -hmm. And it made it easier during high school when we would have to read Shakespeare, read um, like I think we actually had to read part of Les Miserables for one of the classes and I really didn't, have, it was a translation of it, of course, but I didn't have any problem reading it because I was so in love with 
both writing for its own sake and just to the crafting of a story that it was enjoyable to me just for reading for reading's sake. And then, I don't know, there it was just... Do you have a favorite I, I Shakespeare play? I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. I, I didn't oh, want to do nope, that. Nope, you're good. <laughs> uh, but do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? Uh, probably Macbeth. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna see if I could hang with you, but I, I can't do much about. Although the uh, <laughs> the Lion King was a little bit Macbeth, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Yeah. I think. I, and, um, so my so so uh, I took a couple of Shakespeare classes when I was studying studying English, partly because it was in the in the curriculum. Yeah. Um, but I always a- approached the classes, you know, with the appropriate amount of uh, intimidation, but also with optimism, thinking, <laughs> okay, this this is where I'm going to crack the code. Like this is going to be the, the opportunity I have to, to really <laughs> dig in with a professor and they're going to help mm-hmm. me make sense of this. And, uh, and, uh, and, and he didn't, but um, I, I remember, well, actually, no. So I read, uh, so Othello, I read that in a separate class. It wasn't a Shakespeare class, mm-hmm. but we read Othello and whatever it is, I couldn't tell you, maybe you might have some insights on it. Whatever it was about Othello, that was the only Shakespeare play that, that I that I've ever you know read beginning to end, and I, and I felt like I got it. Like I wasn't like my brain wasn't hurting trying to make sense of it. Like it just sort of mm-hmm. absorbed it, and I enjoyed it, and uh, was uh, nearly moved to tears. I don't know, if, you know by by the end of it, I was like, wow, I think I get Shakespeare now. And then I yeah. picked up another play, and I was like, nope, nope, don't. That was uh, that was a, <laughs> <laughs> that was an anomaly, well, Othello. Uh, yeah, I know some in some ways to me, Othello reminded me much more in um, just the, in the plot line of like modern day soap opera of just how it played out within the book. Oh, you know, what? like the character, the characters were much more relatable to like cur- current day actors and actresses versus trying to read it as a play. It came across much more as a story than it did a play. That makes a lot of sense. So basically I was reading Days of Our Lives without realizing it. Uh, which is no wonder why it appealed to me because I that see I was watching that in third grade. So while you were reading Shakespeare, I was watching Days of Our Lives. But at some point, oh, I was watching Bow and Hope. My mom, <laughs> my mom loved it. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what, but, but when Bow and Hope got married, that still stands as a as as, as one of the milestones of my adolescence. I still mm-hmm. I can still see them in the jail cell. You know, Hope and her uh-huh. gown and Bow and his tuxedo separated by those bars holy shit for all i know uh-huh. everything that i've ever written ultimately was birthed out of uh, out of that powerful goddamn uh i love them and patch you sh- yep patch was like my first like tv crush and my my parents still tease me about that today <laughs> of patch and kayla that i had a crush on patch they were the best and you know what <laughs> i learned so much from from pat if if, if you know now if i'm going to go ahead and examine my my yeah. love of days of our lives but but Pat, I mean that you know that especially at a young age when you know I didn't realize I was learning storytelling. You just figure you're watching TV, but really you know there's stories and you're absorbing it. And so with Pat, I, I think I, it was sort of the first time I really learned that a character can change because you know he was he was an antagonist and he was scary and he wore an eye patch and he was mean. Yeah. And, and I, but there was also that sort of you know he was he was tender and, and Kayla could sort of you know reach him and then at some point. He became like this this nice person, and I wasn't scared of him anymore. And I'm especially as yeah. a kid, I was fascinated by that. I was like, "That's so cool!" Like, like he changed. And I don't even think I said I don't even think I said that as a kid, but somewhere <laughs> in my head, I was processing that. And um, and so so now, especially now, like when I write, 
one of my favorite things to do is to is to really sort of you know put different layers on my characters especially especially my antagonists you know no matter how bad or mean or scary or awful they are i like to throw in some some sympathetic shades to to you know not Mm -hmm. not not to confuse the reader because it's not like i'm trying to but but to sort of remind them that that these people are they're human and they're not these they're not one-dimensional and and you could be this awful person but still have this this little this little wrinkle of like oh you know you're you're not so bad and maybe maybe I learned that from days of our lives for all yeah. I know and Patch <laughs> and and Kayla while you were reading Shakespeare but you know what I think I think we just I think I just what really what what I was doing right now I believe Maya was a uh, was was putting a huge stamp of validation on on watching soap operas over reading yep. uh, Shakespeare and I feel good about it I feel good about hey, it. Hey, we got to the same place. We absolutely did. So you know what? Fuck Shakespeare. I think. Yep. <laughs> uh, not really. He's fine. He's fine. If he's real. What, do you have any thoughts on the whole Shakespeare was really just a bunch of people writing stories together and there was somebody named Bacon who was probably mm-hmm. writing stories? Um, I, I would like to think there, that there really was a person that was Shakespeare, but I'm actually wondering with some of like the later works of just some of the... some of these storylines don't hold up to the same level but that i guess i compare it to like the nancy drew mysteries with carolyn Keene of finding out years later of no there actually wasn't a carolyn Keene, that it was like a dozen authors uh, writing these and now i'm going back and reading them to my girls and it's like no i can actually tell which books were written by which authors now that i'm going back and reading them again (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. In fact, so the very, very, very first writing class I took, I was in community college. I was, I was 18 years old. It was right around, it was 1996. It was right about that time when I was thinking that this is something I want to try and learn about. So I took my very yeah. first creative writing class and the teacher is a very nice man, very, very old. One of those old, really old teachers who like, <laughs> sometimes I think like he must be dead by now. And it makes me a little bit sad, even though I've never, I haven't seen him in you know, yeah. 20 years. I'd like to think he's somewhere, although he's if, that, if he's still alive, he's probably like really, really old. He probably doesn't want to be alive anymore, but completely <laughs> different issue. But when I met him, he was basically a retired writer teaching mostly, you know, because he enjoyed it. But uh, his he was uh, he was a staff writer on the Smurfs. I think he's one of the original staff writers on the Smurfs. And uh, which, which for me, that's all I had to hear. It was like, this is like the coolest old person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And then, uh, and he knew, uh, he, he was friends with, with Stan Lee, who did, uh, did Marvel Comics, of course. And he, and, yeah. and the other thing I remember from his class is he, he told us that, uh, that the Goosebumps books and R.L. Stein, I'm, I'm sure R.L. Stein is real somewhere, I, I imagine. But he yeah. was telling us that, you know, it's the, they're, they're, for the most part, they're all written by ghost writers, and they they write the books and sign contracts that they won't yeah. actually say anything. And I was like, "That's that's that's I don't know what that's so smart and crazy." And who who knew? Um, now, of course, now it, uh, it's it, I, I think I'd be less surprised to learn that now, but it, but especially uh, in in nineteen ninety six or ninety seven or whatever year yeah. that was that was that was a revelation probably worthy of uh, Days of Our Lives arc. Uh-huh. You know what? You, Will, and I should do that. We should go straight a book together and not, and not oh. tell anyone. Like, then it's the three of us yeah. and have it out under Exciting Press under some other name. Oh, now you're and, talking. And just, <laughs> and just make up a name. Yeah. Oh, that would be so great. And then, and, and then dare somebody to read it and then go back and listen to this episode and try to put the pieces together and say, how come yeah. there are no photos of this mysterious <laughs> new writer with such a complex voice 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a great idea. I might have to, I might I might have to cut this part out so we can actually do it. No, you know, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it just just to dare people to try to try to figure out which 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 author for Exciting Press is actually actually the 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 Hydra of Martin Will and Maya. Or did we already do it? Oh my god. And am I right now just pretending to be shocked just to throw the people off? Exactly. Uh. This is this is so goddamn good. I knew I, I knew this was going to go somewhere good, or did it already go somewhere good? And we're still pretending like it's new. You guys don't. Know. Yeah. You don't know. Mm-mm. I mean, they might know, but you guys don't know. Uh, what else? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Let's. But let's... I was just. No, you go. go ahead. You go. Oh, I was just going to say I was so fucking excited when you invited me to the show. <laughs> and I was like promising myself I was not going to fangirl. But <laughs> I, I have to say it. Inside the Outside is the best fucking book I can never read a second time. Because <laughs> I don't want to ruin just the magic of the first time I read it. Of just each page of just of like I'm sitting there reading it. And, and it's just like. Oh my god! And I'm like texting Will during of me. Why the fuck did you not tell me about this author earlier? And, I, <laughs> and, you, and it is simply amazing. You are so sweet, and I'm I'm sitting here. That's that's you've you've absolutely made my day. Thank you so very much. And and, and yeah, I mean, by the way, just uh, you know, full disclosure, you've I've you've you've written very nice things about Inside the Outside that I've read uh-huh. before, and it makes me happy. Every time, but since this is the first extended conversation we've actually had as as yeah. normal people, um, that is my it's my first I'm time not hearing. Normal. St- I, well, that's 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 actually well, you're a writer, so by default you're not normal. <laughs> but uh, thank thank you. I so, so here's the thing. I'm stuttering, right? I it's I'm so flattered. I don't know exactly how to respond, <laughs> <laughs> but that means uh, that means an awful lot to me. And and you know what? You don't have to read it a second time. At worst, I'll just give mm-hmm. you a synopsis to just remind you <laughs> <laughs> what it's what it's about. Although, you know what? Uh, uh-huh. This actually reminds me, of, and maybe I'm diverting because now I'm getting embarrassed. But I'll, I'll say something about the the <laughs> book. So, so earlier you were you were talking about that that, that trance that um, that uh, you know Will and I were talking about when you're writing. Yeah. And, and so, so I wonder. So here's an experience that I've had, and I wonder if you've had this experience where sometimes you know, like I'll. I'll I'll see inside the outside on my on my bookshelf, and uh, and you know for the most part it's just become like part of the background. It's almost just it's yeah. and uh, but then once in a while I'll be like oh wow that's like a that's like a thing that I did that that, that was kind of cool, and then and then I'll <laughs> then I'll pick up the book and I'll and I'll flip through it and I'll just kind of like open to you know a random page, and I'll start reading just to kind of see you know what's in there and. Um, and very often, whatever page I land on, it's sort of a combination of like, um, wow, this is, this is really good. And I have mm-hmm. absolutely no memory of writing this page. <laughs> <laughs> Not one single, I don't know where this idea came from. I don't know who wrote it. Yeah. I don't know what inspired it. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, in fact, you know what, you could, you could some, you could have like hit me over the head and then given me a, a amnesia. And then put a book in my apartment and told me that I wrote it, but it's completely false. And I'd have to believe you because I don't remember writing half of this book. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden somebody tells me that they love it and then I feel guilty. Like, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't know if I wrote it, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, books two and three 
of Asylum were like that. I actually wrote book two in 48 hours. Oh, my God. I'm jealous. I had written draft after draft, and and they sucked. They felt forced, and I just was not happy with them. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so I'm, like, writing it, and I would just trash the entire draft, put it in another folder not to be looked at ever again. And I'd finally just had enough, and I sat down and started writing and something clicked i hit that trance space and i wrote i think eighty thousand words i think is what that final copy ended up being or no um around fifty thousand in about 48 hours isn't that not the best slept a couple of times yeah (laughs) and like going through and reading it and it's like i don't remember writing any of this at all (laughs) that's amazing i mean i don't think i've ever i don't think i've written that much in 48 hours but but yeah, it's it's that that's that that's really amazing. And also, speaking of which, speaking of uh, of really getting in the groove, um, I was uh, I was on your website, and uh, and, yes. I, and I saw a, a blog post, the most recent blog post, which was titled "I finished the damn book." So you know, ironically, <laughs> we're kind of talking about this. Uh, yeah. Turns out, for uh, for fans of Maya Crescent, and if you're not a fan, why aren't you? She finished writing a new book. Now, uh, now, as, as a writer myself, I know that finishing a book isn't the same as we're about to publish a book, but still, it's a it's a it's a huge, exciting step. So, as much as yes. you want to talk about, because again, it's a book that you just okay. finished and it's not published yet. So, you know, uh, it's in Will's loving hands. So, it should be out probably by the end of the year, I think. We'll see. I don't know exactly what their timetable is, but yeah, it's in Will and Hannah's capable hands at Exciting Press, and we've even kicked around some cover art ideas. So I'm really fucking excited about that. No more so than just getting done with this book. Mm-hmm. But four years ago, um, one of my very good friends, Julia, had been over here, and she had introduced me to the show Lost Girl, and amazing show with really really hot actors and actresses. And we, we started watching this and she made me like stop and like she was daydreaming about how amazing this author was or the actor was who plays Dyson. And she was like, well, why can't you write me a story about him? <laughs> and it was like, OK, well, story on demand. I don't know if that's quite my forte, but I'll see what I can do. And so I, I pulled up several pictures of him and like set them on my computer desktop for a few days and started coming up with some different story ideas and so I thought I was going to have like a seven to ten thousand word short story kind of a porn without plot thing that it would just go like here have a story present I'm done with it I don't ever want to see it again please don't mention it (laughs) and um I wrote the like introduction to the first chapter like the first page or two and I realized that there were more to these characters than just a quick little fling between a sci-fi actor and an author meeting at a convention, much very similar to like Comic-Con or Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. And um, the story's premise is that they're going to have this one week of kind of hiding from the paparazzi and just kind of having this secret fling for a week while they're there. And then at the end of it, they're going to walk away with no expectations, which is what the title of the story is. And four years later, I finally finished the damn story <laughs> at 90, at 90,560 words. And um, 
Um, I, I don't think I've ever been so happy to have write the fucking end of the book <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, but no, she actually, she read it. She loved it. I'm pretty sure her husband has said thank you for it. Um, one of my other friends has read it and, and really enjoyed reading it. And so now it's in Will's hands. And he has said that um, he loves it and loves the way that I use words. So, Oh, yeah. I don't know. So- I, I, Will, Will is uh, <laughs> uh, arguably arguably your 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 biggest fan because anytime your your names uh-huh. come up and here's the thing you don't know this but but you know <laughs> when when will and i aren't recording podcasts we we've actually talking about you before anyway and uh, and every time your name comes up it's like uh it's you know just uh he 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 just he he glows maya he glows so so <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that will's will's excited about this and and i'm happy it's yeah. almost like my own soap opera that i'm so happy you, that you guys <laughs> met because you know it's yep. uh, it's awesome now now uh, a couple of things that uh, that i want to that, uh, that i think we yeah. can we can touch on one um how great is it that you know you can well I, i'm assuming that when you give the book to will that there's a certain yeah. level of of um of comfort like there's there's i mean certainly you know i i i know for me there's always a certain level of anxiety of giving somebody yeah. a story because you know you you worked on it and you want them to be uh happy with with what you did but um but i have to imagine that however much anxiety would would be there anyway knowing that it's that you're giving it to will is like oh you know it's, it's not that scary it's fucking it's it's will yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do I do my best to very much keep it separate in my head of Will, my publisher, versus Will, my very good friend. Mm-hmm. But there is that huge overlap. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's a huge deal of submitting a book, even to, like, a, like your best friend or, like, handing off my story to my husband of, here, read this, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, um, handing it off to Will there's like very little anxiety outside of the, okay, do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like it? And you kind of feel like a puppy, like clawing at someone's leg for attention and the pat on the head of, yes, it's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, my first publishing experience, I had an amazing editor, but I was not happy at um, the writer's coffee shop publishing house. It just wasn't a good fit for me, especially mm. after they signed 50 shades of gray but that's another entirely different story and so signing with exciting press was just like a breath of fresh air it's amazing i believe in will all of the authors he's gathered because everyone is so fucking awesome and i mean i felt like overwhelmed like looking at all of everyone he had signed before (laughs) they published asylum of the how am i gonna measure up to that and (laughs) oh don't you don't Don't you worry about that. You measure up just fine, but keep going. Yeah. And then it's like, I'll have some of my friends, like, they'll quote me a line out of one of my own books. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Who wrote that? (laughs) I want to read it. And it's like, that's yours, idiot. It's like, no fucking way. I wrote that? Wow. (laughs) It's so funny. And I I swear, I wonder um... if somebody's never, like, written like that, (laughs) if they just think that we're just, like, crazy. But I swear, that's, it's a thing that happens. Yeah, um, about your comment about Will being my biggest fan. Well, I would love to say that I'm his biggest fan. I think (laughs) I have to take second place on that. My dad is Will's biggest fan. And I mean, it's almost hilarious. It just 
publishes. I mean, my favorite book of Will's is probably Meat Scroll. I absolutely love it. I had to buy the like special edition print copy when it was first coming out. And it's like, Will, it's signed it, has this sweet little note in it. It has one of the tarot cards um, to use as a bookmark in it. I absolutely love it. And my dad's favorite is Prodigal Hour. And my dad, my mom and dad call probably two or three times a week. <laughs> and normally, at least one of those calls each week before they ask about how their granddaughters are doing. Right. They ask about how's Will? <laughs> when's Will's next book coming out? And, and my dad has actually offered to trade me to Will for an advanced copy of the next book. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, Dad, I don't think it works that way. He was like, oh, shut up. I just want the next book. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I wasn't going to say that anything, happened. but you, you, your dad and uh -huh. I, we actually talk about Will all the time. But I knew, I was like, you know what? It'll probably make her feel worse. I don't think I'll, I'll say anything. But but yeah, I'll call your dad. And then, I mean, eventually I'll ask about the kids. But first, I'm like, uh -huh. so have you heard anything about Will? Do, do you know when, when his next book is coming out? So, so yeah, so yeah, you, you, uh, your dad and I... I both. That's that's hilarious. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I think I, I think I might be a little bit jealous of, of of Will now. Like I feel now, like I need to compete for your dad's attention. In fact, maybe, maybe I'll put him on the podcast so we can uh, so I can see if I can't curry some favor with him. But you know what? Hmm. You've had me on your podcast. Will's never had me on a podcast, so I bet oh. that's going to give you brownie points with my dad because I'm the baby girl. Heck yeah! Do you think he's going to listen to this? Oh, yeah. I already hear it. He's been, like, begging to know when it's going to come out. And I was like, well, soon, probably. He was like, well, I, I need to know. I need to hear you. And I was like, well, I'm probably going to swear. He was like, oh, I had to read The Changelings Champion, which you had two guys fucking. And Maya Teresa, how the hell did you know those words? <laughs> he was like, I'm pretty sure I can ha I can handle you saying some, of, some, some bad words. And I was like, yeah, and Dad, they're still not in French. Because his favorite thing to tell me when I was little was pardon my French. And I spoke French when I was little because I had picked up one of those, like, learn French in 10 minutes a day books. And, and so I would go through and look through. I was like, Daddy, that's not French. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's still our running joke to this when one of us swears of the telling them it, that's not French. <laughs> oh, that's, that's too funny. Uh, what, what's your, what's yeah. your dad's uh, first name? Dave. Dave. Okay, so here's, here's what I think I'm going to do. Um, uh, if, 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 uh, if you'll indulge me for just a second, my, I think I'm going to make a personal plea uh -huh. to Dave, uh, um, so, so long as he's listening to see what I can do about, uh, you know, gaining some ground on, on Will. So let, <laughs> let me, just give me just a, a second here. <clears throat> Hi, Dave. My name is Martin Straps, and I'm not just the podcaster who's currently interviewing your daughter, Maya. I'm also an author. I've written four books, uh, Inside the Outside. It was my debut novel. And I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. It was both a best-selling novel and an award-winning novel. And, and, and if, if, you do, if you need to know anything about it, ask Maya. She told me that she enjoyed it. But here's what That's I really want to awesome. talk about, Dave. I want to talk about Will Entrican. Now, you and I both know, Dave, that Will is a terrific guy. And he's a wonderful writer. And I don't blame you for being very excited about Will's writing and what future books he's got coming out. But here's what I want to say, Dave. I'm feeling a little bit left out. And, and, and you, you, you don't know that. Why would you know that? Dave? Like, let's be honest. We're only just now meeting for the first time. But here's what I want to say. Give Martin a chance. Hashtag give Martin a chance. 
I just want an opportunity to be in the running with Will. At the end of the day, Dave, if you still pick Will over me, let's be honest, I can hardly blame you. I just want to know that I was in the running for your attention so that when the time comes that you call your lovely daughter, Maya, that before you ask about the grandkids and if I can dare to dream big enough, before you even ask about Will, that maybe, just maybe, you'll ask about Martinless Traps. Thanks for listening, Dave. Okay, Maya, we can get back to the show. Okay, I have to say that Give Martin a Chance may actually top the hashtag of Fuck You Will Entertain. Uh, you know, if, if nothing else, this, this, this show, will, this show will, 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 will crank out some hashtags before you know it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't even, I, I, I have no idea where we left. rival those on the At Midnight Show. <laughs> I, yeah, we're, we're uh, having too much fun. I feel like I owe you an apology because I have yeah. no idea what's happening anymore, but, but, uh, but. Um, what... <laughs> Let's see. We talked about. Oh, you! I know you wanted to know about theosophy, the, the, the yeah, theosophical studies. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, I'm so I, glad you're I paying attention. I actually made notes on scratch paper while. This. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I went to Carthage, which is a private Lutheran college, which is really strange for me with my religious tendencies. And I started at Carthage actually as an international political economy major. And I met the kids who would be my peers for the next four years, and then most of them being my co-workers in various fields. And I was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> These people are assholes. I, I can't deal with them. Nope. <laughs> and so I switched to being an undecided major. And then um, January of my freshman year, I actually was offered a chance to work in the neuroscience lab at Carthage which is like really rare for freshmen, but it it happened and it was amazing. And so I actually was a neuroscience major and religion minor, which was weird. I know. Um, <laughs> back to the whole not normal thing. And um, my senior year, I had this whole little mental crisis of, oh, I'm not going to pass my senior thesis in neuroscience. Let's flop my minor of religion to be my major. And so I took five religion classes, um, plus my th senior thesis, in order to finish up with a Theosophical Studies degree from Carthage, um, being the out-of-the-broom-closet pagan at a Christian college, <laughs> and writing my senior thesis on the nature of sacrifice as, like, the unifying um, force between most of the world's religions. And it was absolutely delightful uh, and amazing. And actually, um, yeah, it, it was just... It was amazing, and I still see some of my professors around town because my husband's from Kenosha, where the college I went to was, and so we ended. Up, I ended up staying here where he was, and that was that. So I still see some of my professors and the handful of my classmates that didn't suck that I actually wanted to acknowledge <laughs> the existence of. And <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good. I. It's always interesting when people find find out like more about me out of the oh you were a religion major at Carthage that's weird and I was like yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how it is and yeah is that, but is, I took exactly one English class and is is uh, did, did, does your uh, theosophical studies at all um, uh, does it find its way into your work in any form or fashion? 
Um, I think in some ways it has. A lot of my characters tend to come from non-mainstream religions, or at least is touched upon of different, if not religions, at least uh, spiritualities and different um, faiths. And well, in my Changeling books, which actually that also has a contract with Exciting Press, but we haven't gotten around to revising that from its original edition. Um, that one goes into the concept of like sacrifice of a blood sacrifice of just the magic within that and how it would allow, um, like just the, the power within that. So, yeah, I, I, so that, and then asylum, I pulled very heavily on, um, Celtic religions and some more neo-pagan religions and a lot of the ADF um, Druidic order plays into some of the rituals that are used. Okay, that's cool. And actually, so long as we're talking about it, um, tell me a little bit about uh, your actual, like your your writing process, because I know from talking to a lot of different writers that, you know, even though Mm -hmm. we, we, you know, we ultimately we end up with... uh, the, the same sort of thing, which is a bunch of pages with, with a story. We all kind of, we don't quite get to the finish line in the exact same way. So from yeah. what, what does your process look like when you're sitting down and staring at the blank page? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess for like the stories that actually mean something to me, like my asylum saga of they just reach into me and there's just um, kind of like you reach into yourself and you find this like bardic realm that you kind of tap into. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's of reaching out and finding that magic and pulling that down into me until I can feel the story, see the story of just immersing myself in it and then letting it come out through my fingertips. And in a, in book um, three of Asylum, the will be, there is a scene with this young boy who is coming into his magical heritage of being a bard of like an actual, like a divine bard. And he's talking about all of the, the, the magic that he can see all of these stories that are out there. And he asks um, Rosine, the priestess, who's the main character throughout the books of why wouldn't you want to live there always where you can always see these stories. And, um, she replies to him about something of the, well, if we stay there too long, our bodies would die. But yes, wouldn't that be a wonderful way to go or something like that? Mm. I, I remember the scene, but I don't, I don't remember <laughs> the exact quote from it. Just, I, I, I remember just of when I was writing his scene, I've actually written a short story that's from his point of view, but I'm not quite happy yet with how that one goes to hand it off to Will and Hannah yet. Mm-hmm. Um but it's of his whole initiation. And I've actually like in my head, I can play it out as if there was a movie there and I can rotate it and see all of the angles. And, and it's just amazing when that happens. And I've actually, cause I've had a, I have epilepsy. So I've had a few EEGs and MRIs and all the fun stuff. And I would love to have an EEG while I'm sitting and writing just to see (laughs) what areas of my brain are activating and like, what's the difference between sitting and just like typing up something versus when you actually tap into that, that trance writing of mm-hmm. just when you're there with the story where you're the medium for the story and, and also, and, and just seeing what the brain is doing at that point. I, I know that would be amazing. And, and you talk about how you can see a movie in your head. And, and for me, that's exactly what I do. And, and, and I don't, I don't even know if we can mm-hmm. like, it's, I don't, I don't even think it's like we can necessarily like, conjure up a movie but like but you know like if we 
I, I recently I've, I've sort of in my mind kind of likened it to those those 3D pictures that kind of came out in the in the early 90s. If you stare at them in just the right way, some other yeah. image comes out. And in a way, that's kind of sort of what it feels like when you're when you're mm-hmm. writing. If, you, if it's because it, it's not quite looking at the page straight on, but if you can get to this this place and then then hold on to it for as long as, long as you can, that's kind of what 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 that um, what that feeling is like. But even with yeah. the, with, with the movie, like. Uh, what, what you say makes so much sense to me because I, because I, because I, do, you know, when it's when it's at its best, that's what it is. Like I can see the movie and I can see the characters and I can see the setting, and then it's just me just just finding the the, the right words to to tell you what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And when you see it clear enough, it almost feels like 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 you're cheating. Like, well, this is easy. Everybody can see this movie in my head. They don't need me to to put these mm-hmm. these these words here. And, <laughs> and then you realize they can't like I need to put the words down and and then also like yeah. I sort of feel like you know uh if I, the, the the better I see the movie the less um the, I, I feel like the less hard I have to work to put the words down because then because mm-hmm. you know the, the 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 words will find the page I'm just trying to tell you you know uh I'm just trying to tell you what I see and then you know before you know it 90,000 words later and you're like where did mm-hmm. where did those come from uh, and and I was you know yeah and, exactly and, and in the middle of that I, I I swear to 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 goodness I was about to ask you something and I don't know I think I was still thinking about Dave and how he's uh he's not asking <laughs> about me yet but I bet he will now I hope so I hope so I, and, he, and you know he learns pretty well and, and I'm not I don't want to get my hopes up too oh you know what I wanted to tell you because you here's something you made me think about. Um, and by the way, I hope you're having as much fun as I am because I'm I'm really enjoying chatting with you. So uh, you you mentioned um, ta- you know essentially you know like tapping into your imagination and kind of going mm-hmm. going into sort of you know deep places. And it reminded me of, about something in my own experience learning how how to write, especially since you enjoyed Inside the Outside. Just a little a uh, little bonus feature that might you might enjoy. Uh, so I took a poetry class okay. when I was in college and I, and I don't know how to write yeah. poetry. And, and even if you twisted my arm, I could probably <laughs> make something rhyme, but I mean, you know, I, I, otherwise I don't really know how to write poetry, but I took a poetry class mm-hmm. and similar to Shakespeare, it was in the curriculum. So I had to take it. And I didn't, I didn't go into the class with any amount of joy or mm-hmm. optimism. I just kind of felt like it was a chore I had to do, but it ended up being a really wonderful experience and when I, for the first couple of assignments of the class, because uh, I didn't really read much poetry either, so that so my the only real influence I had was Dr. Seuss. So everything that I wrote uh, was mm-hmm. quirky and it rhymed, but it was a lot of fun. Like I enjoyed doing it, and the the professor yeah. really enjoyed it, and the 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 other students when we would workshop, like they enjoyed it, and they they got to look forward to what silly sort of you know rhyming mm-hmm. Seussian thing you know martin wrote this week right and it, and it was fun and so then the teacher who mm-hmm. you know she was cool and she saw that i was you know that i was kind of in my in my comfort zone doing that and so going into the weekend mm-hmm. um she gave me sort of a, a creative challenge she said you know why don't you try writing um the exact opposite of what you're doing so something that that doesn't rhyme and something that's maybe not like happy or funny and, and sort of see what that sounds like. I was like, all right, I guess. And, you know, it doesn't sound like fun, but I'll see what I'll see what I can come up with. Yeah. And so I, so I went into this sort of, uh, but I also enjoyed, you know, the, the challenge of, you know, the, this professor gave me something to, to write. So I was like, oh, I'll try that. 
And so, yeah. um, so it's kind of the first, so, so the first thing I, so I was like, okay, so I can't rhyme. So, so it became sort of like this, this, this prose poetry and it couldn't be um, <laughs> fun or, or light. So I had to be sort of dark and I didn't even quite know what to do. Um, <laughs> but I, but I made a conscious effort uh, to, to kind of go deep and see what I came up with. And as I started working on it and I, I started going like, uh, deeper and deeper and, and darker and, and darker and I, I, I ultimately like found this place that I didn't know existed in my imagination that was um, really dark and, and really creepy and, and actually a few um, actually I think a few months ago I actually turned it turns out that I still have a, a copy of this this poem somewhere and if, I, if I'd known I was going to tell this story I would have had it prepared but I don't uh, but um, but I, but I went there and it was almost sort of, again, sort of like a, a trance-like thing when I snapped out of it. I was like, that was fucking mm-hmm. creepy. I don't think I need to do that yeah. again. But I, but I knew that I could. And so so I didn't really do it again until I started writing inside the outside. And it wasn't even necessarily that I made a decision that I'm going to write this very dark book that sort of goes to dark, scary, and you know, violent, creepy places. Mm-hmm. But when I was writing the book... And I and I realized that you know there was there was um, certain scenes that would uh, that you know that that were gonna that may, you know I, I you know let, let's let, let's go deep let me go there and let, mm-hmm. kind of, let's see what we come up with and so in so many ways and and I, and I don't even I, I I really like the professor but I don't remember her name and uh, but I, I feel like I'd recognize her if she was in front of me but I don't even know if that's true yeah. either but either way in so many ways and she'll probably never know it. Uh, that little suggestion she made to me going into the weekend <laughs> yeah. in so many ways influenced uh, my my first novel. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's the end of that story, Maya. Uh, yep. Well, I found the poem that is the first one of my work that Will read. That is kind of what had him jumping in to save me from one of the critics who was calling it fluff. And <laughs> do you want me to read it? I would love it if you read it. Okay. So before I start reading, I need you to think of that shade of purple that you really only see at sunset. Uh, It's that rich, almost wisteria purple. It's the color of dreams. mm -hmm. And this poem is called Child of the Dusk Dreams. I'm there. Of course, my computer decides to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I've also, while while, while you're waiting for your computer to come up, I also see the Las Vegas Uh strip now because i usually see that at sunset but it's lovely mm-hmm. and it's purple yeah i i love that shade of purple and sadly where i grew up at in illinois was like middle of cornfields you don't get it much so and where i live at in wisconsin now we do because i live about 10 minutes from the beach so oh. But here is my poem, and it's probably one of my favorite things I've actually written. But here we go. This Child is the first, the by the way. You, you are going into unfair uh-huh. waters. So congratulations. No one's ever <laughs> read a poem on the show before. Yay! Yay me! He dreamt the world around him. Perhaps I am just a figment of his dream. The sand dunes a shade of purple long forgotten in our world. Somewhere between dusk and night, a hue so striking... He sat on the crest looking over the empty canvas, a palette on his crossed legs, a brush in hand. He nibbled on the end, lilac eyes closed while he dreamt. He looked to me and asked what he should add next. I told him love. He pulled me down beside him, touched the brush to my heart, then painted a new scene into the empty air between us. 
Birds flew across the sky, their song one of hopes renewed and of entropy yet unknown here. He painted flowers, then pulled one and tucked it into my hair. The thorn caught itself on his tender flesh. Red dripped down onto his brush. Crimson waves rushed up onto the shore, his canvas ruined by our carelessness. Crimson rushed over where we sat, I more startled than he. A simple droplet of his blood changed his immortal palate. The purple sky tried to hide what my impurity brought. Purple coated us, stuck to us, but the ocean held its hue. My ivory flesh showed in streaks. He was layers of purple. He painted a thatched roof hiding between the lilac dunes. He pulled me under as the purple sank into me, drowning me. My last thought that his blood was no longer red. The purple starlight woke me. I found him outside painting. The red was gone, as if my blighting inspiration had never walked the sand. Once again, I ended up beside him, watching trees grow in midair, making up for lost time, the arm and brush moving as one. He turned to me, head crooked, painted me a mirror, for now I was as dark as he, a child of the dusk dreams. He painted for me a brush and palette of my own. My trees were crooked, my clouds not fluffy. He frowned and stroked over my creation. He cupped my hand in his, showing me how the best trees are made. We painted the sunrise and the sunset, both purple. This we painted over and over until an ivory-skinned girl arrived and sat beside my love. Then I looked beside me and saw a thousand others, all purple-hued, watching as he painted a rose for her, not us. We sat in the purple rain as she became the next child of the dusk dreams. That was lovely. That was terrific. Hey, I'm glad you I, And you know what? I, I don't even think I realized that I had my eyes closed that whole time, but I did. Uh, Yay! Yeah, that was really, really, really lovely. And, 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 and I'm glad you were the first person to, to, to read a poem on the show because you know what? Why, why do we need somebody to live up to that anyway? Because then they would just feel bad if there's somebody who came before. That was great. Outstanding stuff. Yay! I'll, I'll just keep I'm gushing. I'm glad you I, enjoyed I, it. I'm glad I found it. <laughs> uh, and uh, and and I'm I'm glad I don't know where my poem is because it doesn't need to be on the show now. Because <laughs> that was really. But really when you good. find it, you need to send it to me. I, you know, here here here's what I'll do. I will as once we finish, I will make a genuine effort because I know I've got it somewhere. Because I, because <laughs> when I because when I picked up uh, and moved to to Las Vegas, I, I found a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't realize that I still had. That poem was. Was one of them. So I'm sure it's it's somewhere, and I and I will. I mean, it's it's um, at the very least, I'll I don't know. I'm sure I could just take a picture of it or something. But either way, <laughs> it's you got it. Yay! Um, I I know. Let's see what else. What else? I because here's here, here's the thing, Maya. I I know that we're not done, we're not done talking yet because there's more things that I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Part of the fun of this conversation is. Um, we've just kind of been shooting the shit for a little while and but now now i'm i'm, I'm I, I realize that uh all the things that i probably wanted to talk about i can't remember any of them but uh so i'm gonna <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep doing this until yeah. i stumble on one of the the many oh here here's something so uh so so you and i both have have, have published with exciting press and it's it's yep. uh it's 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 the best and it's relaxed and it's easy and it's comfortable. Uh, but I also as- assume 
that uh, that like myself and like Will and like so many uh, other authors that uh, I mean, you mentioned working with the, the Writers Coffee Shop Publishing House. Mm-hmm. So I, I suspect that you've also uh, engaged in the um, sort of self-abusive process of sending out query letters and uh, trying to get the attention of uh, agents and editors and publishers uh, by sending you know Once. hundreds of letters in, in, in the mail. <laughs> Um, so is that something that you, uh, did a, a lot of or, or not much of it or what? I have done it once. Just once. once. Look at you. How, how did that one? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I envy you the once. Um, I didn't learn my lesson quite <laughs> quickly. Uh, it was for one of my paranormal gay romance novels mm-hmm. and <laughs> they of, turned it down. Yeah, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I just because I, I pulled up my list on Amazon and it's like okay, um, I've got Fader, which is a vampire romance um, with gay pairing. I've got Moonmarked, which is a vampire and a werewolf, um, and I have more that are under a, another name, and we'll keep those separate so my mother-in-law <laughs> never ever finds them. <laughs> And this actually reminds me, and I don't mean to cut you off, but but you, I, uh, so in my, um, in my, in my vampire trilogy, I, you, because like I said, you've, you've written very nice things about me and this is, technically this is my first chance to to officially say, say thank you and and make sure that Mm. you know, absolutely it meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. I, I hope you never once thought that those words kind of landed on deaf ears or anything like it meant the world to me i, I promise you and so in my vampire uh, trilogy I, I i used one of the very nice things you said about inside the outside as a blurb in the book and i can't uh-huh. remember if i actually asked if it was okay or not so the book is already out but i'll sort of retroactively <laughs> say hey maya do you mind if i use that very nice thing you said about me in my uh, in my vampire novel as, as, as a blurb to to, to try to convince people that I'm not a bad writer. Well, I shall retroactively give you my my full permission and oh, blessing to do so. Thank God, because I'll tell you that was I was losing sleep for months retroactively thinking about that. And sleep, sleep is so amazing. We cannot have you losing sleep. <laughs> but, but okay, but sleep also- is up there with coffee. Sleep and coffee make the world go round. <laughs> oh, actually, uh, speaking of, yeah, you're in a different time zone. It's much later for you than it is for me. So we should wrap up in a, in yeah. a little bit. But before we do, <laughs> you were you were talking about, uh, you know, I, I, I cut you off right about the time that you were talking about looking at your um, work on on and on Amazon and, and sort of almost yeah. surprising yourself at the at the many things you had on there. Yeah. I because I, it's like what you'd said of the not remembering what you wrote after the fact, and it's like oh I I I don't remember writing that, and I pull up the blurb of oh yeah I, I remember that like I have a shift at the zoo which is about a lion shifter, um, like a were lion creature who's actually living in a zoo for whatever reason I don't actually remember the details of it I need to go back and read my work. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, Perfect Balance is a polyamorous romance. Um, Two guys and a girl. I've got a couple of poetry collections out there and (laughs) so many things. I need to go back and like read my work to make sure I don't start like 
plagiarizing myself. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I sometimes I worry about that too. Like if I'm, you know, you know, like, like, you know, maybe I'm like, I'm writing and I feel like I've discovered this, yeah. this great new scent. I was like, Oh, that's great. I feel so, I'm so proud of myself. And then it turned out I wrote it like three books ago. I was like, fuck. Okay. Oh. And I already, okay, well, whatever. Uh, anyway, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what my, so, so two things I'm thinking right this very second yeah. one, uh, I don't want to stop talking to you, but two, uh, we need to stop talking because it's late and you've got kids and shit and they probably have to wake up in the morning and you're their mom and, and, uh, uh they have to get up at like six thirty, and as long as I prep the coffee pot before bed, I, I'm good. Okay. So I'll definitely and I'm enjoying talk- this. I know. So, so for that reason, um, I will make you promise on the record that uh, this will not be your last appearance on the show. And because this was so much fun, there's no good reason to to, to wait a, a whole long time. So somewhere <laughs> in somewhere in, in in the near future, we'll we'll do it again. How's that sound? That sounds great. I will actually consider that your birthday present to me because my birthday is on the twenty fourth. What? Uh, yeah, so, so, I. I I'm going to turn all of 36. You are and... not 36. I've seen pictures of yeah. you. Yeah. Well, in that it, case. The blue hair hides the gray, and I, I've earned the gray from all the kids. Um, <laughs> well, in that case, good for you. I have you. an 11-year-old and 28-year-olds. <laughs> well, so, yeah. good um, on you for no, being 36 I, years yeah, young. Yeah, that will be my birthday present. <laughs> Okay, well, well, I'm a mom with blue hair. I, I'm definitely young. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and why should you? Why should anybody? That's boring. Growing up sucks. You have to like forget about the writing and everything else. Yeah. And get get like a real job. It's like no, I have a real job. I just get paid in hugs, kisses, and peanut butter and jelly handprints <laughs> everywhere to clean up before I get back to my writing. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, so well, before we before we wrap up for good, is there uh, any, yeah for for folks who want to learn more about you if they haven't already learned enough, like say for example, um, how they could also try to get into the good graces of Dave. Um, where where can they learn about you? Where can they reach you if they want to if they want to connect with you and if they want to have uh, their own relationship with you? Uh, where where can folks find uh-huh. you? Um, I have my website is mayacresson.com. That's M-I-Y-A-K-R-E-S-S-I-N.com. I'm on Facebook. They can just do a search for my author page on there. I'm getting better about updating that. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Um, probably a few other places. I don't know. Look for the blue hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to miss. <laughs> Okay, Maya. Well, this this was a absolute genuine <laughs> pleasure. I really and truly can't wait to do it again. Uh, yeah. And until next time, thank you so very much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for being so fucking awesome. Well, there you have it, everybody. That was Maya Crescent, and how wonderful was she? How delightful was Maya Crescent? And and again, it, you know, you guys might not, you, you might think that I'm putting it on it. You might think that that uh, that Maya and I have actually been talking for years and years, but that was genuinely the first time she and I have ever talked. And it felt like I was talking to uh, an old friend. Really, it felt like I was talking to somebody that I have known my whole life. So I really, really can't wait to have her back on the show so we can continue continue talking some more. And uh, and also, don't forget that uh, Maya is not only uh, interesting and fascinating and smart and articulate, but she's also a wonderful writer. And she's got several books, as we learned. 
but uh, but the three that I mentioned earlier, which uh, which again, I guess I guess technically, I forgot to ask her about this, but whatever, I'll talk to her again somewhere down the line. But I but but I kind of assume that she kind of plants her flag on the Asylum Saga. So so as far as that goes, don't forget to go to Amazon.com and buy all three copies of the Asylum Saga, Book One, Once Was, Book Two, Maybe, and Book Three will be all of them published by exciting press and uh, before you do that go to the official website of this podcast as i told you earlier in the show martinstrapshow.com go to the shop page click on the amazon banner and then by doing that everybody wins maya wins exciting press wins i win you win we're all winners in that scenario also if you're not already subscribed to the podcast please subscribe. You can do so at iTunes. And it is my pleasure to give it to you for free. And, uh, you know, as of now, all 135 episodes of the podcast are available for you right there. And starting next week, all 136 episodes of the podcast will be there uh, waiting for you. If you're not an iTunes listener, that's cool. Not everybody is. You can also catch the show on Stitcher Radio, which you can find at stitcher.com. And if neither one of those options does it for you, you can also catch all 135 episodes on martinlestrapshow.com or what I like to call the old-fashioned way. Uh, and I guess that's, that's going to do it. So I, I want to thank all of you for hanging out. I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, I also want to thank Maya Crescent again for being on the show, and I, I really can't wait to talk to her again. Uh, and uh, Oh, and also, you know what? While I'm thinking about it, uh, Dave, Hopefully you're still listening. Hopefully you haven't stopped listening just because the, the part with Maya is over. Dave, I, I want to make sure you know, and, and, and this, is, this is my PS to you, Dave. Hashtag, give Martin a chance. And until next time, I will see you all on the other side.